Welcome to End of the Age. We're joined again by Dr. Jim Littles. We're excited to talk with the author of a great spiritual formation book and workbook. It's called More Like Him. You can look that up on Amazon or Pentecostal Publishing House and get your copy today. So welcome, Dr. Littles. We're so glad that you're here with us. It's a delight to be here again. Thank you. Now, we introduced Dr. Littles on Tuesday's show. In the, it was titled, Is Christmas a Pagan Holiday? So that was a fun conversation, as you can imagine. If you haven't yet, be sure to go watch that show at watch.endtime.com on End of the Age Plus. Um, so in that show, we talked about whether or not Christmas is a pagan holiday, how we as Christians navigate the busyness and the materialism around this time of year, and a whole lot more. Be sure to go check that out. Today, we're going to pick back up on the conversation around Christmas and get to know Dr. Littles a little bit better. Before we do, I want to remind you, go to endtime.com slash deals. Uh, we have a number of promotions there available to you through the end of the year. One of the highlights that I think is worth mentioning is that our series, Revelation, the Unveiling of Jesus Christ, which is a chapter-by-chapter review of the book of Revelation, is 50% off, and that's only available through the end of this year, and there's only a limited quantity available. So be sure to do that today at endtime.com slash deals. You can also give us a call for that at 800-END-TIME, 800-363-8463. Jim, it's an honor to have you with us again on End of the Age. We're going to pick up that conversation today around your message of prophetic Christmas um, at the Prophecy of Promise section. But um, before we do that, can you give us a, a brief overview of how we got to this point in that message? I think one of the powerful things about holidays such as Christmas and New Year's is connected to uh, Jewish uh, Torah where God gave them celebration days, days to reflect back on where God had brought them and look forward into what God was doing. So a piece of that was God's promise, legacy of the covenant promised Abraham. And now uh, Israel had anticipated the coming Messiah all these years. And when we see Zacharias in uh, Luke chapter number one and explore ways in which he's there in the temple offering incense, that the angel comes and uh, confounds him that that which he had anticipated thought would never happen, that he would never have an opportunity to hold a child or a grandchild. He thought he would die and there would be no one to pray over him, which was kind of the the, uh, worst thing that could happen to a Jewish man. But the angel came and said, this, <laughs> it's going to be different from this day. And I think, Vince, as we look at this holiday season, it's an opportunity for all of us to explore where God has brought us from, but also anticipate where he's going forward. It's a great moment of reflection on God's gifts and our response to those gifts. So they're looking for Emmanuel. Right. And a lot of them didn't know he came. <laughs> uh, they missed it. Yeah. And I think a lot of the myths can happen so easily in 2022 as well. If we have preconceived ideas that it has to be this way, God's going to do it this way. And even the disciples, Acts chapter 1, as he's preparing to go away, he says, you're going to receive a promise, a promise of the Spirit. And the disciples ask, well, will you at this time restore Israel? Uh, And he says, well, that's the Father's business, not yours. Here's your business. And I think this Christmas is a wonderful opportunity for us to explore afresh what Emmanuel came to be and to do. Many people, when they look at Christmas, they want to jump quickly to Easter. 
They want to jump quickly to the atonement. They want to jump quickly to the forgiveness of sin. I think to do so misses the reality of Jesus coming into a very real world situation. Jesus came to bring change, came to teach a different way to live. Uh, Both to do and to teach is the language that Luke is going to use. Jesus came and to do and to teach. And then Jesus in uh, Matthew 28 tells us to go and make disciples, to follow all the things which he had called us to do. So this Christmas season, a great opportunity to see it as a lens to our tomorrows with an anticipation. Zacharias, Mary, Elizabeth, Joseph, they're hearing the news of this coming John and Jesus. Game changer for them. And I believe that this Christmas can be a game changer for all of us followers of the Emmanuel in 2022. So the early church, they obviously weren't calling it Christmas. Right. Were they celebrating Jesus' birth after he um, was resurrected or even in between then? The uh, early church had this uh, view of prophecy, which was a shortened lens. And I'm sure you've talked about this many times, where a prophet would see multiple events, but it's like looking through a collapsed telescope and can't see where those mountain peaks are. They were so focused on the second return of Christ that there wasn't celebration of his first coming because there was this weekly anticipation. We know from Acts chapter 20 that they got together on the first day of the week. They broke bread. It was also celebrating the Lord's resurrection, knowing that they too would be resurrected quickly. So the early church celebrated the resurrection and the anticipation of their own resurrection. It will be a little while after that before the church starts also celebrating his birth. So we talked on Tuesday about Christmas being uh, whether or not it's pagan, and we don't need to really get off into that again. They can go watch that show if they want to hear your thoughts on it entirely. But with that in mind, is Christmas pagan or not? No. Not pagan? Not for disciples. For someone who is a CEO, Christian Easter only Christian, (laughs) if if you're a CEO Christian, then yes, it's pagan. Because you have highlighted one day of the year where you can call yourself a Christian and attend worship with others. If that's the case, then yes, it's pagan. Because you've just nailed one moment and that's the epitome, the fullness of what it is to follow him. If, on the other hand, as most of your viewers today, if, if we are seeking each day to follow the Emmanuel, then it is not pagan. It is saying we are remembering as particularly Matthew's gospel and Luke's gospel. They both tell uh, infant narratives. They both tell uh, genealogies. They both tell the birth of Christ. We're following that trajectory that we see in those two Gospels as ways to see the inbreaking of Emmanuel and the transformation that comes with that. All right, well, we are coming up against a break, and I do want to remind everyone, go to endtime.com slash deals, but also we are going to be talking about um, the prophecy of promise here with Dr. Little's um, so I do want to remind you, go to endtime.com slash deals. We're going to get into this conversation with him. Go pick up his book, More Like Him. You can get that on Amazon.com or you can check uh, the physical copy out at um, Pentecostal Publishing House. Um, and that is, uh, there's a workbook on it and a book. Now, how, the, how does the workbook go? Is it like a small group study? Can you do it alone? It's primarily a small group study. The book itself has reflection points for, your, for yourself, but... I believe that disciples grow best in community. 
just as the early disciples did. So the workbook is primarily for small group walking through with others. All right, that's called More Like Him. We will be back with Dr. Jim Littles after this break. Satan and the elites of this world don't want you to understand the timeline leading to the second coming of Jesus. You can pinpoint where we are in the end time, understand how you fit in, and be filled with hope in God's plan by watching the future according to Bible prophecy. Go to intime.com slash future or call 800 intime That's 800-363-8463. Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills, but God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV, and now we have the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel and online and End of the Age Plus. The mission has always been to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the end time message. Through the years, my husband would say, we will see revival like never before in the last days. We are living in the end time now. Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you. Love you. What if you could understand Bible prophecy? Dave Robbins, the host of the End of the Age television and radio programs, is holding a free prophecy conference near you. Gain peace and understanding about what the Bible says concerning end time prophecy. Call 1 800 End Time. Or visit endtime.com slash events for more information. Welcome back to End of the Age. Vince Stegall here with Dr. Jim Littles. We're talking about prophecy of promise. And we did a quick overview of what we talked about on Tuesday uh, before the break. And we're going to get into what this prophecy of promise is. A lot of people don't know what this prophecy of promise is and we are going to discuss it and um, how so many people can discover it uh, right now, even this very day. Before we do that, I want to remind you, be sure to hit the share button, hit the heart icon, comment, let us know where you're watching from. That helps us uh, get to your family and friends and I think that they need to hear about the prophecy of promise. So, Stop what you're doing, share the video, comment on it. Uh, ask your question in there. I might be able to work it in with uh, Jim Littles here today, so be sure to comment with your question. All right, Jim, prophecy of promise. What in the world does that mean? The, every time God speaks, there's an opportunity to respond to His grace. Even in the worst-case scenario of Jonah speaking in Nineveh, of 40 days and then judgment's coming. The king sets back after a moment and says, what kind of God would give us a 40-day warning? Otherwise, he's just going to smash us. So there's an opportunity to receive a promise of 
uh, deferral of the judgment. So with Emmanuel coming, that, that coming of God, instead of seeing it as anxiety driving what's going to happen when he gets here, woe is us, there's a chance to know that it's only a gracious God that would come and be with us. So when we look at the promises in Scripture, we see a macro, what God's doing in the big story of restoring all things, and we see the micro. And in this passage uh, that we've got in Luke chapter 1, verse 68 through 80 with Zacharias's prophecy, we see both levels of this story going on. This is the big picture of what God's doing. And then he zeroes it in and how it applies to his son as he gives a blessing to his son. So the story of Jesus is going to do that. It's the story of Emmanuel, God with us, transforming the whole world. But on this Christmas, we also see the way in which we as individuals and families and church congregations fit in that big story. So salvation is coming. That's coming through Jesus. And people didn't know it at that point. Salvation is one of those terms that uh, have to be explored a little bit. For the immediate audience, they thought of salvation coming as restoring the kingdom to Israel, that the Roman government would be expelled and that they would be able to reinstitute their theocracy and as such would be able to uh, do and fulfill the promises that God had made to Abraham and then to the kings of Israel. Uh, However, Jesus does not fit in human boxes. He came as a human, but he's still divine. And as such, uh, with that Christmas, as well as the Christmas today, we need to surrender our control of the box. So with Zacharias' song, he tells of the prophecy of the beauty of being saved from the enemies. But it's saved from the enemies to be able to serve God without fear. And so when we talk about being saved... It's not just escaping hell, being redeemed from judgment, but being saved is actually being equipped to live on God's purposes and God's design. And we see that very powerfully here in Luke chapter 1. How does John the Baptist start fitting into this story? John the Baptist is such a powerful uh, transitional figure. uh, As we see in Isaiah chapter 40, which Isaiah 40 and Malachi 3 are the two passages which can be linked here to the prophecy that we see in Zacharias. Uh, It's coming uh, out this voice in the wilderness in a time where there is uh, is seemingly no possibility of hope. And of course, the Romans are in control. Uh, We read earlier, or we're going to read as Jesus is being born. This decree comes from Caesar Augustus. The Romans are in complete control. And we know that in 68 to 70 are the Jewish wars and Jerusalem is going to be destroyed. At a time like this, how could we anticipate that the Messiah could come, that Emmanuel would come? Well, John the Baptist is that voice declaring he's on his way. Prepare the way of the Lord. That had been prophesied in Isaiah 40 and Malachi chapter number 3. And of course, Jesus says later that John is the greatest of all the prophets. But he that's the least in the kingdom is greater than John. I think that starts to convey the way in which Christmas is a prophetic lens. It shows us that we too have the possibility to announce this Messiah 
to our neighbors, to our families, and even to each other as we're going through difficulties and trials. To let each other know, no, Emmanuel is here, and I can be a witness to that. Salt and light can be uh, broadcast in our world today. So you're talking about a prophetic Christmas, and that's not a term that's normal. Right. Like, I don't know that I've ever heard it until your message. Um, How do we live that out? How do we apply it to, you know, Christmas is coming this Sunday. If you didn't know, if you haven't bought your spouse a gift yet, (laughs) now is the time. You're late. Traffic's going to be bad. It's going to be not fun at the store. And Amazon probably won't get it to you on time. Or you could buy a subscription to End Time. There you go. Watch that End Time. He's got it down. Endtime.com slash deals. You can get five months free right now. Um, So how how do you live that out? A prophetic Christmas. I think grasping the way in which the Emmanuel, God with us, has come, is something that is not rooted in yesterday. Uh, There was a popular book written numbers of years ago, and it comes through cycles uh, where folks will buy wristbands that have WWJD on it. Uh, What would Jesus do? I've tried to tell my students in the past that that is uh, agnostic or atheist question because it's assuming that he is not here. It's not saying, what is Jesus doing today? It's saying, if Jesus were here, I wonder what he would do. Since my parents both passed away a couple of years ago, it's legitimate for me to say, I wonder what my father would preach this coming Sunday. I've known, I knew him as a preacher my whole life. So I could kind of extrapolate how he would preach faith on this Christmas. When I talk about Emmanuel, however, I cannot ask, what would he do if he were here? Emmanuel is here right now. So when we look at the birth narratives, they were all celebrating what God had promised, but they were looking forward saying, this is the time. As we celebrate this Christmas, we are celebrating what God had promised. And I likened that in the last uh, broadcast to the genealogies, setting up what God had done. But it's prophetically looking forward. So as you're opening your gifts, as you are lighting candles, and if you're a family who puts some uh, uh, lights around your house at Christmas time, with each of those tokens of Christmas, they are not just remembering Jesus came, but it's a reminder that Emmanuel is with us right now and his work's not finished. This is part of the beauty of Christmas. Christmas isn't over. Christmas is never over until that last day. 1 John chapter 3 tells us, we don't know what we shall be, but we know we shall be like him when we shall see him as he is. That's when Christmas finally gets finished, as we now have transitioned from our humanity to be in a relationship with him at that day. Until then, we're living out the prophecy of Christmas. Christmas is speaking prophetically into our world right now. When you go to work, when you care for your children, your grandchildren, uh, when you're participating in the local uh, basketball league, whatever you're doing, We should be living out Christmas in a prophetic way. Because Emmanuel came, I'm called to live out my discipleship call in a very real day-to-day process. Mary made a decision, as we talked about last time, said, so be it unto me. She really didn't have a clue of the next 30 years, the impact that that would have and even beyond. When we say yes to the invite to become a disciple of Christ, it's a, we're saying yes to prophetic call that we don't have a full grasp. Just like when you celebrate the birth of that first child, and I know you've uh, got three little ones. Uh, when you celebrate those births, you really 
you really don't know what's coming. No idea. <laughs> You're not set up for what's happening. When we say yes to following Jesus, how exciting it is to know that our sins are remitted. But as we see in Zacharias's prophecy that he has freed us from our enemies, in verse 74, that he would grant unto us that we, being delivered out of the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear. So this coming of Jesus gives the possibility of knowing I am freed from the bondage of sin to serve in joy and delight and peace and hope. Those wonderful attributes that come because Christ came to this world. Can we talk a little bit more about that? Because, you know, there's this thing going around. I'm sure you've heard of it. It's called church hurt. And there's anxiety around living for Jesus and being involved in the church. And so, um, you know, there's there's people that just live in torment that are supposed to be disciples. And, and some of that is self-inflicted. Some of it is as a result of what they're hearing right. or what their family has, how their family has nurtured them. So what, how do we do that properly? Uh, I, I think we need to revisit our salvation. Uh, When we think about being saved, we frequently uh, put that in just one category instead of seeing that as a whole person and sociological experience. So, for instance, when we're talking about Christmas, we can talk uh, about the cognitive elements. We know that we can have a renewed mind. Philippians chapter 2, Paul talks about Jesus coming, uh, counting himself not in those privileges and the status that he had as God, but he surrendered became obedient even unto death. That's part of the incarnation. And that we can live that out as well. We can know that cognitively. We can ask questions about when did Jesus come? In what way was he human and divine? Those are mental pieces and there's certainly value in the theology of what's happening. However, knowing him is more than just a cognitive process. It's also an emotional process and it's a behavioral process. So truth happens in all three dimensions. We need to know him. Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ, John 1. Uh, that's the part of the incarnation as well. So when we walk in that truth, it's changing the way we think. That's a worldview, a lens. If I see the world with anxiety, then I'm not walking in the prophecy of Zechariah. Because I am, if I'm freed from my enemies, the bondage of sin and that Satan has against me, now I am freed to serve without fear. We are to be light in the world. And I know some people, when they look at the crisis that's in our world today, they start screaming against the darkness. In my, my national identity as an American, sometimes I can fall into that trap. Where's America going? It's, this isn't the America of my youth. It's not, not the America of my young adulthood. My kids are born. And, and some of your listeners may be even asking questions like, this world is so evil. Is it even just to even bring children into a world that is this dark? Mm-hmm. I think that's a legit question. But when we think about Christmas and recognizing that we are sent to bring light into the world, instead of yelling against the darkness, we let His light shine through us. Instead of being bound up in fear, we walk in the joy of the Spirit so that we can declare to a world that Emmanuel, Christ, is here. That's hard to do. It is. That's why it takes a prophetic lens. And, and I would say 99% of your viewers pay attention to prophecy and value prophecy. 
I'm asking them this Christmas to make sure that those prophetic lenses, because prophecy, uh, prophets in the Old Testament were called seers. They were able to observe things that the common person could not see. So when we study prophecy, we're wanting to put on a lens. What in the world is God doing? Well, he is bringing about the restoration of all things. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And in that last day, I believe there's going to be an outpouring of his spirit. There are going to be new disciples formed around the world out of every kindred and nation and tongue. Well, because he came, because of Christmas, I believe the prophecy that he fulfilled in coming, he's going to fulfill in his coming again, which allows me to face a traumatic world, a traumatized world, I don't walk in trauma. I walk in joy and peace and Mm -hmm. hope, which lets my feet be solid and sure. The psalmist said that the steps of a righteous man or woman, they are ordered of the Lord. When we're following Christ, we walk in his pace and we walk into the direction that he's taking us. And we walk with righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what the kingdom is, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So when I feel my joy quotient, being low. It's a time to me to go back to the cross and and this Christmas season, go back to the manger and say, Lord, would you restore the joy of my salvation? My emotional quotient, my my climate, the real climate crisis isn't whether we're having too many greenhouse gases and the world's getting overheated. What a day to talk about it. The climate crisis. The real climate crisis, I believe, is an emotional climate crisis. There is a heating up of emotional distress. And Christians are, in too many places, what you're talking about, are being heated up by the emotional pain of the world. Mm -hmm. When we know the Christ that came and is coming back again, prophetically, now I am no longer controlled by the heat of this world my spirit, my mind, my emotions, my behaviors, my relationships are all transformed with the joy that comes in walking in Him. And if you just do a quick search on joy and rejoicing, you'll be astounded how many times that comes up as a theme throughout the New Testament. As we walk in Christ, we walk in joy, regardless of whether this is an easy path or a challenging path. And this is something that you need not even, not only with your job or your family, but church family too. Right. Like a lot of times, for a lot of us, we're around church family perhaps more than others, and we think that it's all supposed to be no. a cakewalk, no. and it's not always the case. So we don't have time to get into that on this side of the break, but maybe we'll dive off into it on the other side. Don't go anywhere. We'll get to know Jim Littles a little bit more on the other side, and uh, who knows what will happen. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Whether it's a global pandemic, threat of war, or floundering economies, end-time events are happening around the world every day. How can you have peace in a world of such great uncertainty? With the End Time Magazine subscription, you can gain a deeper understanding of current events and its prophesied repercussions. End Time Magazine's exclusive content and prophetic insight allows you to understand where we are in the end time. It will give you peace when horrific news and events happen. When you subscribe today to End Time Magazine for 12 months for just $19.99, you can have hope for the future because you will understand what the Bible says about the time we are living in. You'll get access to exclusive articles like the Prophesied American-Israeli Alliance, End Time Do's and Don'ts, and Could School Choice Save America? Subscribe for you or a friend right now. 
Go to endtime.com or call 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-END-TIME. The symbols and prophecies within the book of Revelation have perplexed Christians and unbelievers around the world. In his final work, Revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ Part 2, the late Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, will deepen your biblical understanding. Don't miss this special offer. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com. If your station only carries the first 30 minutes of End of the Age, go to endtime.com and click the watch button to continue today's broadcast. You can also finish up later by clicking the archive button. Welcome back to End of the Age. Vince Stegall here with Jim Littles, Dr. Jim Littles. He has a book called More Like Him. Go to Amazon.com and search for More Like Him or Jim Littles. Um, you can find the ebook on Amazon or you can go to Pentecostal Publishing House to get the physical book. There is a book and a workbook um, and I highly recommend that you go do that. It's a, a really a great way to start the year, uh, I would suggest. I believe so, yes. <laughs> so it's, it's not a devotional, but it's, it has some devotional feel to it with your action items, right. even, in the, in, even in the book, not just the workbook. So Yeah, I... Uh... You'll see in the first few chapters that it focuses on not just am I doing the right spiritual practices. We've used the language of spiritual disciplines in the past. Uh, This is a shift to a formational perspective. The goal isn't praying more, reading the Bible more, but it's using spiritual formation strategies to become more like Christ. And uh, the book goes into definition of that and how to live that out in, in, in all of our relationships. Um, we're talking about the um, prophecy of promise and Christmas and um, just kind of that's the general theme. But I, I really wanted to take some time here to help our audience get to know you a little bit better. So I, I did a, a read of kind of your a brief portion of your bio. What, what would you tell people that want to know more about who you are? How would you... Tell us who you are. <laughs> I, uh, hopefully I'm a lifelong learner. Uh, hopefully I have a quest to stay curious uh, about what God's doing. Uh, I, I want a spirit of curiosity in me that never dies. A, a, a question of being, how do I stand on the generation of men and women of faith that went before me? but I look forward with anticipation of what God is doing next. So most of my life I've been in educational forms of ministry. I originally, my early adult life, I pastored a small congregation in western New York and I was a public school teacher. And then I was a Bible college and seminary professor for 28 years after that and do numbers of educational things now, including discipleship formation in our local congregation. But I I trust uh, that as a lifelong learner who seeks to be able to help others mature as disciples, whether it's Sunday school age kids or someone that's on uh, uh, hospice, six months to live. There are still ways to become more like Christ even those last six months of life. So from cradle to grave kind of thing, how do we help people grow and mature, not just individuals, but in families and in congregations? 
And, you know, knowing you, I, I met you 10 years ago, I think. At that, you you came and did an event, and, uh, ten or twelve years ago, yes. Yeah, yeah, so that's when I met you, and I've got to know you a lot better in the last five or six years. That's how long you've lived years. in the Dallas mm-hmm. area, yeah. yeah. And so there is uh, not many people like Jim and his wife, who ref- who he refers to as the princess. I, you haven't got to do that yet, <laughs> and so if she's watching, I've got to say that first. <laughs> but uh, there's not a lot of people like Jim and Sherry Littles, and. Um, uh, it's an honor to know he and his wife and family, and uh, they are, as far as I'm concerned, gold. Thank so you. it's an honor to, for you to be here and, and help us to be more like him. I tell people, even though I spent years in university, uh, undergrad and three graduate degrees, uh, I, I didn't finish school until I was 42. That's how slow a learner <laughs> I am. Uh, but I tell people the most important things I learned, I learned in the homes of, my parents were church planters. I learned the homes of disciples who were planting churches. Can you trust God's word? Can you have faith in that one? Can you love people? And can you follow what God calls you to do, knowing that if he called you to do it, then he will be there with you through the, through the process. Those are the greatest lessons in life. And any time I can help someone, if I'm sitting down with an 18-year-old trying to figure out what to do about college, if I can help them to love the Word, to trust the God uh, who calls them, and to love others, then I believe I have done what I need to do in that relationship. Well, the way I tell, you, tell people about you is, I, I, and I've told you this before so you know where I'm going, but uh, I tell people that um, Jim Littles is the... Um, Jordan Peterson that's not scared to admit, or maybe not scared, that's probably not the right word, the Jordan Peterson that's willing to admit that he believes in God. So, uh, Thank you, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like Jordan Peterson, so it is a compliment for, as far as I'm concerned. Maybe others don't. but Well, I, I think part of it might be both uh, giftings that God's put in my life, because I firmly believe that, Vince, that every single one of your listeners God has a purpose and a design for the life, a unique deposit of his image. Mm-hmm. Collectively, we image him, but there's also unique ways in which God gifts us. So I think God gifted me in certain ways and certain early experiences. I had to miss a month of school when I was nine and two months of school when I was 11. And when I was 11, sitting on the couch for those two months, I just started reading the encyclopedias. Started A. Of course just, you did. <laughs> just start reading the encyclopedias. What's What's more exciting than uh, reading an encyclopedia? Just it's amazing what you can see in there. So, yeah. some some weird perspectives that were formed even at that age, and then uh, years in university, giving both biblical theological training as a seminary uh, graduate, but also some social scientific uh, lenses of being able to understand human relationships. So the journey has been a strange one, uh, but I trust uh, that each of those steps can be orchestrated by God, just as with all of your listeners, that when even when difficult things come our way, uh, right now one of our daughters is going through a serious health crisis. I, I don't know the causes of that. I don't believe that God brings those as judgment acts, although God can from time to time. But I believe that God is so mighty that he can even bring good mm-hmm. out of the most difficult and challenging of circumstances. So I encourage your listeners this, this Christmas, that's part of the prophetic lens. If they've had a delightful year, anticipate what God's doing next. It's been a year of crisis. 
anticipate that God's going to bring great gifts out of this as well. Amen. As far as your teaching, you, you, you mentioned you taught for 28 years. Is that correct? Now, you, you're saying it past tense, but you're still teaching. I teach. I, um, I am uh, Professor Emeritus at Urshan Graduate School of Theology. I teach courses from time to time. I'm teaching a course for a Canadian Bible school this coming spring. Uh, it'll be a a live class that I'm teaching with them every uh, Thursday morning. They're two hours ahead, so I get to start teaching at seven o'clock in the morning. So nice. it'll be a delightful time to uh, to do so. And I teach uh, various venues, Purpose Institute, numbers of uh, teaching places. And even when I flat out preach, people say that was good teaching. So I I don't know what that means. I. I <laughs> Maybe it's the bow tie. I don't know. It's got to be the bow tie. <laughs> that is a uh, Jim Little's um, brand there, the bow tie. I don't know if I've ever seen you wear a regular tie. I have two of them, but I would have <laughs> trouble finding them, yes. And you probably would. Maybe I'd have to tie it for you. It would take me a while. To, <laughs> it's, it's been most of the last 30 years that has been, a, been bow tie things, yes. Why should the people of God read the Bible with the end in mind? I believe that there are two ways that we need to read Scripture, and I personally do this myself. Uh, Beginning of 2023, I will spend in the first three months, I'll probably read the Bible through first three months. In the rest of the year, I really slow down and read closer. So we need to read the macro view so we can see the big pictures with the end in mind because even from Genesis 1, 2, and 3, it's setting up what's going to happen in the book of Revelation. And I tell folks there are only four chapters in the Bible that don't have sin in them. First two chapters of Genesis, the last two chapters of Revelation. (laughs) Everything else is tinged by a world of broken economics, by a world of racial shaming one another. Uh, So as we're reading Scripture, we are seeing the events. So right now I'm reading through uh, Ezekiel. Uh, Today it was, I'm reading the, the one who is measuring the new temple that's going to be built in Ezekiel. Well, as I'm, I'm reading about it, I, I know where Ezekiel fits in the exilic period, and I know of his previous prophecies that led up to that, and I, I know what's going to happen in the return. But I'm also thinking about the way that we are his temple. And I'm also thinking about the day when I get to be in a city where there's not going to be a temple because there won't need to be one, because he's going to be the light thereof. So as I'm reading through Scripture, I'm going to be reading at those multiple levels. I encourage people, as you're reading Scripture, to do four things. One thing is hear something from God as you're reading Scripture. I've had to repent sometimes, Vince. I've read through two or three chapters, and then I pause and say, oops, I, I turned to pages I didn't read. Yeah. So I repent, Lord, you were talking to me and I wasn't listening. I know what that's like when I do that to my wife. She gets a little bit peeved with me. The princess does when she has to repeat herself. I don't want God to be peeved with me as well. So I repent. I'll go back and read those chapters again. So as you're reading Scripture, just like when you're hearing a sermon preached, what's God saying to me? Find one thing God's saying to you. Number two, ask, what can I do about it? How does this change my life? It's going to change the way I think, the way I emote, and the way I behave. Thirdly, I want to pray in line with that. Instead of me starting my devotional time in prayer, I start it in the Word. So my prayers are coming out of what God's speaking to me, 
not what I think needs to be done. I'm letting him have the first words and then I follow it up. So what is God saying? What can I do about it? How do I pray in line with that? And the fourth thing, I really encourage disciples to have a conversation with someone else. This is what God's saying to me. This is how he's calling me to change. And would you walk with me in that? So that's how I try to read scripture, but I'm reading it in light of it's already finished. When he said it is finished, he meant the whole thing is done. So I, can, I don't have to wrestle with that. I, I trust that. That's a, a faith statement that I have. Now, it's backed up by my 61 years. I've seen many times God's been faithful before. Mm-hmm. If he's been faithful before, then I know he's going to be faithful again. So as people living in the last days, what should our highest priority be? I think if, our, if we can identify just one, I know yeah, there's so many things, right. but... I think our priority is being faithful with where he has us. Part of the challenge, you mentioned earlier, people living in anxiety. I think a a major source of that is role confusion. Uh, I'm a husband, in my case, I'm a husband, uh, I'm a brother, I'm a dad of four children, I'm a grandpa of six, I'm an uncle, uh, I'm a teacher at the church, I'm, I'm, um, I'm in time right now, so I have all these different things that I'm doing, and if I'm not careful, I can feel tugged in all these different directions, and I can feel conflict there. And if I keep coming back to my, I only have one identity. Uh, I have been born again. I am his disciple. And as a disciple of Christ, I live that out as a husband. I live that out as a dad or as a grandpa or as a teacher. So I don't have 16 jobs. I only have one, just to be a disciple. So as I'm walking through the words, I'm walking through Christmas, as I'm walking through uh, a Bible study series at the local congregation, it just keeps coming back and reinforcing, Jim, stay in your discipleship mode, keep walking in that, and see how he's trying to get you to live even more faithfully every day. Now, used to, I would say that statement, but there would be anxiety. Because I'm, I'm a little bit strong, high strong a little bit in that way. Seeing in ways I'm not quite measuring up. Uh, I don't know that I always had a, a full grasp of what God's grace is. It was a you, think, you think you do now? Uh, better, far better than I did. <laughs> a grasp that God's grace covers, makes up the places where I fall short. Yeah. So I'm seeking to do what I can as a disciple where I am. However, I know that he fills in the gaps. He carries me when I fall short of his purposes and his desire. Amen. Excellent advice. Great teaching that we're receiving so far. We have another segment coming up after this break. Don't forget to go to endtime.com slash deals. We have a number of items there available to you that are only available through the end of the year. I've been part of the End Time family from the beginning over 30 years ago when my parents, Irvin and Judy Baxter, began the ministry from the recliner in our living room. My name is Jana Robbins. I have the pleasure of connecting with our incredible partners every day. Endtime is a small nonprofit that runs a high-traffic website, a daily TV and radio show, the Prophecy College in Jerusalem, and more. Although we have less than 30 team members, we are able to serve tens of millions of people each month. We survive on the goodness of God and donations averaging about $50. If everyone hearing this message gave $22, our financial needs would be met for the year. If you only give to one cause per month, 
please consider partnering with End Time to help get the message of our soon coming King out to the world. Call us at 1-800-END-TIME to give today or go to endtime.com to become a monthly or one-time partner. Welcome back to Into the Age. Vince Stegall here with Jim Littles. We do have a few days left in this calendar year, so uh, prayerfully consider uh, what you might should give to End Time Ministries. As you know, we make this show available every single weekday um, online and on the radio, and it's on television every week, and so all that is made available for absolutely free. Of course, we have thousands of hours of content on watch.endtime.com and uh, tens of thousands of articles and different resources at endtime.com. All that's made 100% free because people like you give to this ministry so that it can be free. So um, we just ask the Lord what you might should give, and you can go to endtime.com slash give, and if you do it before the end of the year, it will be part of your 2022 contribution statement. So prayerfully consider that. Um, as you are wrapping up through the end of the year, We're, we are here with Jim Littles. Uh, it's been a, this is the second um, time he's been on this week, and we're so grateful that he has joined us. And uh, we kind of spent the last segment talking about whatever, and we'll continue to do that. Now we're talking about what our highest priority should be as people living in the last days, and you gave a great answer to that. And we talked a little bit about anxiety, and um, just you talked about being essentially being present, being who you are. And that is ch- a challenge in this world. You know, we all, pretty much all of us have social media. We see this social media version of people's lives that looks so much better than ours. Their marriage is better than ours. Their kids are better than ours. Their vacation is way better than ours. All that stuff. Uh, and if we don't see that, we're watching a show or seeing something something else that says that you haven't achieved your best you yet and that's available just buy this course for $9.99 and it's going to lead to a better you. How in the world do we accomplish what you've recommended with all that noise telling us that we aren't, we aren't there yet? To me, this is a Christmas story. Uh, this is a part of the, the incarnation of Christ. Christ came into a low family in a manger. That lets us know that wherever we find ourselves today, it is an amazing place to be salt and light of Jesus Christ. I, so for instance, I will tell people that wherever you live, that neighborhood needs an embassy of the kingdom. Second Corinthians chapter 5 tells us that we are ambassadors for Christ. So your, your very residence, whether that's in a gated community where your house is so big you need your own zip code, uh, or maybe you're living in Section 8 housing uh, where it's subsidized by the government, or we have some disciples, brothers and sisters, who probably live under bridges as homeless people. The reason we have people in so many different demographics is because every part of the world needs a chance to encounter Jesus. The incarnation, Jesus came into the low place. And now he calls us, not to find out how I can be the greatest Christian possible, but how I can be the least in the kingdom. And I do that by being faithful with the resources he's placed in my hands. So Jesus' parables about the kingdom, talking about giving talents, 
the five, the two, and the one, or uh, various uh, parables that he gives. Now, remember he told parables because only those who were walking as disciples could get the point. Those who were the crowd, the 5,000, they weren't going to get the parable that was given for the disciples. And certainly the Pharisees, Sadducees, and the, the Roman citizens weren't going to get it. But for those of us, your listeners who are seeking to be near him, going to be able to understand, whatever he's placed in my hand, this is my best place to be. Uh, if I'm looking to take a new job, for instance, the prayer is, Lord, where's the place where I can do your kingdom work? If you're offered a promotion, don't automatically take it. Make it a matter of prayer. Lord, is that a place where light can shine? Can you be glorified through that? If you're given three or four opportunities and you don't know which one to take, uh, take it to the Lord in prayer. Lord, should I take option A, B, or C? And if he doesn't tell you specifically which one to take, then uh, you and some significant folks around you decide where your life can bring God the most glory. So it's a day-to-day incarnational living. And this is why daily spiritual formation is important, as well as the big days like Christmas, Easter, birthdays, beginnings of the year, to be able to reflect and see that God has me in a place where his will can be done. If you had to limit it to one, okay, I know you love questions like this, what would you say is the primary characteristic that should define us as Christians in 2022? If you only had to pick one. I think it may be something that you alluded to earlier is replacing the anxiety with hope. In a world that has so much chaos and fear, similar to what uh, Zacharias was telling his, his audience that day, small audience at the naming of his child, he says, we're going to be able to serve without fear. I believe that that holds for 2023. If What would happen if every disciple we know would wake up every day and anxiety would be gone? They could face delightful moments as well as painful moments without fear, knowing that God is using this day for his purposes and his design. That would release us from so much wasted energy. It would release us from the need to rely on uh, anesthetizing our mind uh, through vegging out on Netflix or vegging out on, uh, right now it's a football uh, bowl season, just watching every single football game, or uh, needing to read escape literature. Uh, Those are just some things which aren't directly negative, but there are those who wrestle with alcoholism perhaps, or abusive power, or workaholic behaviors. Those are avoidant strategies, and disciples can fall into that trap because they are not seeing the way in which my life is in a beautiful place and I can live filled with hope that my life can have purpose as it is right now. Is that a, a switch that can be flipped though? Because like, I, I know we both have known people who just change like that. You know, It's right. like something happened miraculously and they change. There's other people right. that are born again believers right. that are struggling with some of this stuff and they don't know how to flip the switch. I, for, Paul gives me a little bit of hope here. He says, I've learned what state I'm in to be content. Let's me know that there are, there are some things we can do to learn. There are times, and I think there are certain uh, giftings in the body. Every congregation should have different varieties of giftings. Whether that congregation is 20 people or 20,000 people, there are going to be differing gifts in that body of believers. 
some of those believers are going to, quote unquote, live on the sunny side of the street. You know, they just snap and they can smile and be effervescent all the time. There are going to be other melancholies like me uh, that I have to learn uh, hope and contentment. Paul was one of those as well. He had to learn in what state he was to be content. So we can receive a repository of the Spirit that guides us, righteousness, joy, peace, and the Holy Spirit. But also when I can measure when I'm falling short of that, similar to when someone is asked in the hospital, what's your pain level today? One to ten. What's your pain level today? I ask people, what's your joy level today? If your joy is at a ten, I give you thanks. I give thanks to God with you that your joy is at a ten. But if your joy is at a two or a three, then we're going to say, Lord, what is it in my life that you're wanting to change? I used to tell my students that uh, frustration is a gift from God. And then I would ask them, how many of you feel very gifted today? Uh, because frustration lets us know something is out of whack. So for disciples who are feeling anxiety and fear, it's because something's out of alignment. And it's through a recommitment, and I believe Christmas is the greatest time to do that. It's a recommitment to a prophetic view. Jesus came into my world, and now he has changed my tomorrows based on what he did in the yesterdays. So this Christmas, we're saying my tomorrows are different because Jesus is here. So I'm going to make a commitment to walk powerfully and faithfully in him. Now, uh, this would take more than the remaining five or six minutes that we have. But I believe every disciple needs to have a spiritual growth point. What is the one area in their life that God's working on right now? Sometimes that can happen quickly. For me, usually it's those things take three to six months to change. So five years ago when I first came to Dallas area, my spiritual growth point was I needed to trust him some more. And that was in three dimensions. I needed to trust him for my financial needs at the moment. I needed to trust him for my senior years, my more senior years. And I also needed to trust him that my life had had, had an impact, had purpose. Well, that took me several months to walk through that. So if one of our listeners today is feeling like they're bound with anxiety, first you pray for deliverance. That's the salvation Zacharias is talking about. And you open your life up to hope and to joy again. But it's going to take a daily commitment. Today, Lord, I know that you are pleased with my life because I've surrendered my everything to you. Am I perfect? Not. However, since I've surrendered to him, I'm pleasing in his sight, and I can learn to grow in joy and hope and peace. You talked about Christmas being a good time to make this decision. There are undoubtedly people who are watching or listening right now who have not been walking with the Lord for years or months or however long it's been, where they've been um, not really trying to be more like Him. Mm -hmm. Maybe they haven't been to church in a long time. Well, this year Christmas is on Sunday. And as far as I know, a lot of churches, maybe most churches, are having service. In fact, um, I failed to mention it on Tuesday, but... Uh, we'll be streaming a Christmas service on End of the Age Plus. Um, I'm speaking at our church here in the Dallas area, North Cities. You're welcome to come in person. It starts at 10 a.m. And um, we'll be streaming that as well on End of the Age Plus. So be sure you subscribe so you can get notified, or we'd love to have you out in person. I'd love to meet you. I, I believe Dave and Jana will be there. Judy Baxter will be there. My family will be there. A number of team members from End Time. And so... 
come on out in person at North Cities. You can learn more about that at endtime.com slash events or, again, stream it. It'll be streamed at End of the Age. Um, if someone hasn't been to church in a long time, you know, should they do it this Sunday? Now is a great time. A key thing here, Vince. Well, well, so before, sorry, yep. I have to cut you off. Yep. But before you talk about a CEO Christian, right. Christmas, Easter, I don't know what the Only. Other, only, yeah. <laughs> Christmas, Easter, only. So it's like, they may not, like, I can't go just on Christmas, so they don't come. Well, it could be a cliche, but it doesn't have to be. Practices that we do can either be, traditions that we do can be either empty or they can be meaningful. I would say if they've been CEOs in the past, let's stop being CEOs. Go this Sunday, but make it as a choice. Lord, I am here to hear your voice. And I want to take the next step closer to you. Unfortunately, there will be a whole lot of exercise bicycles bought between now and next Sunday. A whole lot of people make commitments and resolutions for the new year. They want to change everything completely. It's more important to say, what's the next thing I can change? Now, uh, if you've not repented, today's a great day to do that. Sunday would be a great time to do that. If you've not... But why wait? Why wait? Today would be a great day to do it. Baptism, if you've not been baptized, now's a great time to do so. But to wherever you are, now those are, that's a big, new birth is a big thing. But wherever you are, just seek for the next step. Don't say, I, I, I've missed 10 years of faithfulness. I've got to make up for that in January. Don't do that. <laughs> just take the next step and incrementally grow and mature in Christ. Well, we've got about 30 seconds here. I don't know if you'd want to pray or if you'd want to just give a last word here, but um, you've got about about 20 now so have at it I'll I'll give it to you oh Lord we delight in being your sons and daughters in this hour let this Christmas be alive and rich in every single one of us help us to recognize you came into a manger representing our opportunity to know you and let us be that light in the world around us and we pray for that peace and joy and hope of Christmas in Jesus name in Jesus name This has been End of the Age, brought to you by the faithful partners of End Time Ministries. If you're not currently a partner with End Time Ministries, or if you would like more information, we invite you to call us at 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-363-8463, or visit us online at endtime.com.